Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. I'm your host, Spencer Stokes, and uh, I know all of my loyal listeners, all eight of you, have been sad because there's, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we're back, and uh, and I think appropriately so. We're back for the this will this will air the first of the year, and we're back with I think Jerry, you go. You're the executive director of the Southeastern Utah Association of Local Governments. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, and we have with us Jade as well. Who give us your title, Jade? I'm Jade Powell, and I'm the deputy director at the Southeastern Utah okay. Association of Local Governments. Fantastic. So. This is something I don't think very many Utahns know a lot about. And what what surprises me, you encompass a four-county area, and the four counties are almost a fourth geographically of the state of Utah. I mean, it's a large landmass. So what, what are the four counties you have? Carbon, Emory, Grand, and San Juan. And we are definitely more land than people. C- correct, but that also creates a bunch of unique challenges. But local local governments rely upon uh, you down in that area to deliver a whole bunch of services, which are so critically needed from weatherization to I think Mills on Wheels to I, I think you may call it something different. I don't know if you call it Mills on Wheels, but but the bottom line is without you. And your organization, the county, those those four counties would not, you know, have somebody to administer those programs. So, to give us a little, give us a little of your background first, and we're going to get a little of Jade's background. Well, can I t- discuss the background of an AOG and why Absolutely. they were even created? Yeah. So, about fifty years, fifty plus years ago, AOGs, Association of Governments. Is this your attempt to not talk about you? That would be Jerry? lovely. Okay, yes. but we're going to get back to you after you give this. I'll let you just. Take the show hostage and do what you want first. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Association of Governments, um, and they are nationwide. They just can be called different things like Council of Governments or something like that. But block grants, federal block grants, were um, like a community service block grant, community development block grant. Um, They have a minimal amount of money, not enough money to be spread across counties and cities. So they develop these regional organizations to deliver these services through these block grants. And then the EDA, the Economic Development Administration, around the same time developed economic development districts. And so we have both of those at our Association of Governments. You also... um you also run the Southeastern Utah Economic Development District. Yes. And I think people along the Wasatch Front, because the counties are big enough along the Wasatch Front that they run most of the programs that you run for four counties in, sure. inside their county government. But in in rural parts of the state, their organization isn't big enough to be able to do that. And I think people along the Wasatch Front would be familiar with the Wasatch Front Regional Council uh, which would be a similar organization to yours. And what's unique about that organization, even they're one of the seven association of governments in the state, but they focus mainly on transportation. They right. don't run community service kind of programs. I know that they never like it when I say, you know, ask, I didn't, I didn't think you guys did anything other than transportation, but that's mainly what they do. Um, and they do it for, I think, Morgan, Weber, Davis, and Salt Lake counties, uh, the Wasatch Front Regional Council. So um, what you have, how many employees there? 
We have about right now about sixty six. And and kind of tick off. I ticked off a couple of them, but I know you do regional planning. Um, but tick off some of the other programs you run. So we so regional planning that is something that is funded by the Community Impact Board. Um, so we've received about $150,000 for that. We have one planner for the entire region and a part-time planner. Um, in addition to that, we run weatherization that you had already mentioned, and that's energy savings. Um, it's to offer um, um, socioeconomic family, challenged families with um, energy safety and safety in their home and those kind of things. Do you have, did the teams actually go out and help do weatherization? Yeah, they the teams? Yeah, they even put in insulation in a home um, to help make it just a little, have the energy savings it needs. They put even these Nest um, thermostats in the home, just those windows, it'll replace windows, those kind of things. It's an interesting program, but it's all about energy savings. And it comes from federal dollars, so Department of Energy and LIHEAP. So it has a greater good, not just specifically yep. it's helpful to that family that yeah. lives there, but it has a greater good on energy usage across yeah. across the grid. And Yes. Okay. Yep. So and with weatherization, we also, it kind of crosses over into our housing program. Um, we... It's called Self-Help. Uh, it's ran with USDA, uh, Community Development Block Grant dollars, and Olean Walk Walker dollars. So across the board, we try to maybe take a home that's um, dilapidated in some way, and we have a specific balance to help improve that home and make it more safe for somebody to live in, um, even seniors to live in as well. And However, with the current housing trends, there, a house now is so dilapidated. We don't have enough funds to, to actually fix that home. It, we, it, we, there's just not enough money anymore. And what we've transitioned into is kind of a ground up. So we currently have four um, houses that we're doing this ground up program, and uh, building an actual home. And uh, they'll have sweat equity into the home. USDA. So do you find that a, a, a more efficient use of the money Absolutely. than trying to go in and, and completely um, repair a dilapidated home? Yes. Um, it's We just don't have enough money anymore to so, fix them. So how did, what, what was the turning point on that? Who decided, hey, why, it would be a lot less expensive for us to actually go, you know, have the homeowner put in sweat equity, build, build a home uh, with, our, with our help and, and instruction, what, what was the turning point? Because, you know, we, in government, we oftentimes think, well, we just we, keep, we continue to do the same old thing. We, so we've got the money, we fix up the home. We don't do, we don't do a ground-up home. You yeah. know? It was just that our housing stock was diminishing. I mean, it was, it was that simple, and USDA had this program and we asked if we could do four. Normally they do about eight homes, but we're a smaller area. We wanted to make sure it was successful. It's our first time doing this, and uh, it helps people in those income ranges, maybe like police officers, teachers, even AOG. That you're trying to keep in yep. in a in an area where they may not otherwise, you may not have enough teachers or, or police exactly. officers or amazing. And, and our, just improving our housing stock, we um, have some developments going on as well, but even those four homes help tremendously with that specific income group. Right. So, 
Okay, I want to know, and and so you've avoided talking about this. How did you get into this? How did you? How, what, what's your what's your pathway to this? Well, and we're gonna you be thinking, Jade, because we're asking <laughs> you the same thing when we're done with Jerry. So, I um, this is very personal, I guess. I went through a divorce. That's what we we are a very <laughs> personal podcast. So, so I went through a divorce. Um, actually, with my. Uh, first husband, we lived in Sandy, Utah for quite a few years. He, We divorced because he became an opioid addict. But through that divorce, it, I grew up in Emory County. I graduated from Emory County High. Okay. But I had been away for like 25 years. Um, when I was a very young kid, we had moved. When I was 12, we had moved to Price, Utah, from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Wow. Bit of a culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, what? so I was familiar with the area, but I had gone to my current husband, brought me back to the area. Um, it was during when we, when I divorced, it was during that whole 2008, 2009 crash. And um, where I was living wasn't, wasn't, I was, I had moved to St. George to be near my parents um, through the divorce. So my daughter had some support and, um, St. George really had a hit cause it was mostly a construction town. Oh yeah. So they really had a hit through that whole crash. So I had decided to move back to price for us to marry and it would be better for me cause I could transfer with department of workforce services. So that's where I was working. Okay. And, um, through that I decided so obviously, did you work when John Pierpont, the governor's yeah. chief of staff, was, yeah. Amazing. was in? I'm a huge fan of him. Okay. Yeah, he's he's impressive. He's done. He would write personal cards to all his staff, all the whole entire team. He also did challenges like the four dollars a day for food stamps, um, and his whole family did it. And well, he, he must be impressive because there's a, a memorial to him in the Workforce Services building. A memorial when you to walk him? in. Yeah, there's a a big John Pierpont wall. So <laughs> I'm have, a, I'm only assuming that he it was impressive He's based a, on that. He truly isn't. I'm a huge fan of John Pierpont. And he also, when he took on, when Department of Workforce Services took on vocational re- rehabilitation, he also did the challenge with a disability. And I think he chose like um, being deaf. And um, so with his hearing impairment, he did the whole day and tried to run his meetings and he even had to cancel meetings because he couldn't make it work. So I just think he's impressive how he truly dives in and tries to experience what he's actually delivering. Yeah, so, that, that is impressive. Yeah. So anyway, with Department of Workforce Services, um, I had gained my master's degree after the divorce. So you went back to school, yes, got your master's. my MBA. Okay. And so what was interesting, I'm like, I don't want to... In rural, job positions don't open up frequently. So they advertised at the Association of Governments for a job. So I applied, and they actually offered me the position. And um, that's what brought me to the Association of Governments. Wow. And I started out in community service with the food banks and heat. And so so all that. Doing, doing on the front lines what your agency's currently delivering. Yes. That's, that's amazing because yeah. that gives you a greater perspective of what those employees are dealing yes. with because you've already, already dealt yes. with it. Jade, what, what, was, your, what was your pathway? Um, what, what, how do you pronounce your acronym? I don't. We of, don't ever. You pre- don't? 
You everyone, don't ever? No. Everyone else does it. We just call ourselves AOG. Southeastern oh, AOG. Yeah. Or, okay. You don't you don't have like you don't you don't try to go with like No. Suolog. No. No. We know what people are trying to say when they do it, but we don't do it ourselves. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's a long it's a long acronym. It's, yeah, it so is. you're the AOG. And you already reminded us we can't say anything bad on this or right, yeah, repeat that's, what Stuart calls us. Right. I, I I start out every podcast saying don't 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 say the F word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other than that, you're all good. Yeah. We're an adult this is an adult podcast, so yeah. Stuart just calls us Southeastern whole lot of letters. <laughs> <laughs> His, it's accurate. But they also came up with, um, like, we were a superhero firm, too. So they yeah. have some a funny of, takes on our on our name. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them, instead of saying uh, Association of Local Governments, it's the Associated League of Governments. There, so there you go. Like, we well, you do like, have an L in the, you do yeah. have, a, yeah. So I get it. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get there? So I was um, born and raised in, in Price, Utah, in Carbon County, and I did all my education there. In Grew Price, up. not in Helper. Yeah. In Price. In okay. Price. Good. Th thank you for making that, right. that difference yeah. there. And uh, I graduated from Utah State University Eastern um, with a business administration So degree. you went after the name change. I did. Okay. Yep. So it wasn't... It wasn't, it wasn't uh, I don't even CEO. remember what it was. Yeah, CEU, College of Eastern Utah. Um, yeah, that name change happened. It started to happen right around my um, end of my junior junior high days, and it was in full effect um, by the time I was. Do you like how he can revert back to junior high days like it was yesterday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. I I do appreciate that, and I also appreciate that that you uh, you probably I I would imagine it it gave. It gives your degree a boost when it's a USU. That would that would be helpful, I think. I would think so. I've only had to use it once to get the job at the AOG, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, how much. But I was uh, going to school, and uh, I had interviewed for a job at a place in Emory County, and uh, they had told me in three weeks I, I could start. So I figured I'll give my two weeks at the, my current job. I'll have a week off. My dad was on vacation. I'm going to go camping, just kind of spend the rest of the summer doing whatever. And uh, then when, when that job came available, um, the guy contacted me and said two more weeks. So I'm like, okay, I'll figure something out. Also, um, the day I had quit my job, I had proposed to my wife. And so I was getting married in a couple months. She thought you were really a planner. Oh yeah, yeah. You've quit your job and you're getting you're we're engaged and you're not starting for another three weeks now. Yeah, and you're camping for one week with your dad. Oh yeah, yeah. She loves me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'd have to, Jade. <laughs> she does. And uh, so I waited the two weeks. He called me. He's like, two more weeks, and I'm like. I can't be doing this. So I was like, I need to get a job. So I just started, I went to um, DWS's website, found a job at the food bank and I applied and um, Jerry almost, I almost didn't want to apply because I was reading the job description and it said, bring your cover letter and resume. Well, it said, email them to Jerry Gamber. Me, I like things in person. So I went to the food bank in person, asked for Jerry and said, here's my resume and cover letter and she looked at me and goes i said to email it and then just grabbed them <laughs> and just walked out of the room and i was like oh my gosh am i do i really want to work here it's a true story <laughs> and uh so anyway i went home and i 
Um, and emailed it. Emailed <laughs> it. Did you email it? I did email it. Just in case. Yeah. Here's and, the email. <laughs> sorry about that. And uh, anyway, I interviewed and um, I was getting married and he, Jerry called me and goes, hey, we don't want you to work in the food bank. We want you to run this program, this VITA program, this volunteer income tax assistance program. But then well, she's like, I, I quickly realized when, as I chastised him, <laughs> how talented he was. Well, and I, he I, wasn't a normal candidate. That right. I get. Uh, yeah. <laughs> be, uh, well, you went the extra mile. So even though she may have been a little irritated, it may have panned out in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't think anybody's ever hurt by going the extra mile. So congratulations, I was, Jade. My feelings were hurt a little yeah, bit. I'm sure. At that time, but <laughs> I quickly got over it. So, but here's the... The kicker, she calls me and says, I want you to do the volunteer income tax assistance program, but we're waiting on a contract from the state with the grant that would pay you. So it's going to be about two weeks. And I'm like, <laughs> I've heard this before. Yeah. So but, now we're four weeks out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I stuck it out. And uh, that's kind of what led me is running that volunteer income tax assistance program. I was part time to begin with. Um, and then when Jerry became executive director about after... I don't know, it was like eight and nine months after I had started. She brought me full-time to do the Community Development Block Grant Program, and then that's when I transitioned into okay. doing more community and economic development planning. So, so tell me, I mean, you, you've, you've, traveled, you've traveled some distance to be here with us today. So um, I, I, And you've talked about the geographical area of the four counties. But what's the governing body? Who do you actually report to? So uh, the makeup of our governor, our our executive board is made up of one mayor and one commissioner from each county. Okay, and so I'm assuming the cogs vote on the mayor and and the and the county commissioner, or do they vote on just the mayor and then? There's only one county that has an operating cog, and that's okay. Emory County. Okay. So it can be by the vote of the board how our bylaws read okay so your board then votes on who so then you've got there's i'm assuming doing my math two from each county there's four counties that adds up to eight you're doing well thank you (laughs) so um but that could also result in a tie vote yes do you ever have tie votes no no everybody usually is on the same on the same page yes should there be a tie vote what happens yeah, coin toss? Is it? <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> um, then it just dies. Okay. So, but everybody generally is on the same page because they all are, you know, facing the same yeah. kinds of issues. We all want to see each county succeed. And so you even, have, if, even if it's a specific focus on just one county and not the region, they tend to be very supportive. And do you have do you have term limits on the board? Yes. And so how long can a commissioner or mayor serve? They can serve 2 years. Our chairman definitely is 2 years, but if they keep being reelected then they can stay there as well. So you can vote every 2 years to keep everyone in the same place. Okay. So we have we have longevity on our board. It, that helps with stability, I would imagine. And just knowledge of how it all works. Right. You're yeah. not having to reeducate, retrain. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge members. challenge in government. Oh yeah, no, no question. Every, I, you know, I often, I often, you know, I often joke, you know, about seniority and longevity in government. That every member of Congress should understand that when they get elected, they should just be, you know, there for ten years, and then at the end of ten years, they can start, you know, having a voice because it it really does take a long time to figure out. So these these areas that are constantly changing their elected officials, 
you know, and I'm sure there's some good reasons why people change their elected officials, but it doesn't always add to continuity of, of delivery of service or um, understanding or historical perspective on what's gone on and why, you know, changes get made. But It can be a little bit like herding cats. Yeah, no question. No question. <laughs> How long have you been in your position? I've been, I'm going on my fifth year. Okay. Well, I'm ending my fifth year, starting my sixth. What, what would you say, if you were to look back on the five years, what, what, what would you say would you'd consider one of the, the great achievements of the League of, of, uh, <laughs> the League of Governments <laughs> down there? Making it relevant and connecting with uh, Stuart Clayson with the Regional Growth Program. Those are probably the two big achievements. Those, those, and, and you currently sit on the state's Economic Development Committee. Is that correct? On Is it GoEO now we call it? Or yeah. Go Utah? Yeah, it's the GoEO Board. Yeah, yes. which is... Governor's Office of Economic Opportunity, which is a huge, a, a huge win for your for your area, I would say. It, it's um, definitely you get to know people, and that's important. N- having a presence how long makes have you all been the on, difference. How long have you been on that board? Less than a year. Okay, so that was a you were a Governor Cox appointment. Correct. Okay. All right. Probably didn't hurt that you worship at the feet of John Pierpont, I would imagine. But I don't know if he knows I worship him. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he certainly will now. Yes, <laughs> I uh, am a fan. Yeah. Well, that's great. Hey, thank you so much for coming and spending uh, 20 minutes with us here on Stokes and Folks and helping to educate a lot of the listeners about what you do and and the, the fact that these exist throughout the state, I think it's kind of a an area of government that not very many people know about and not very many people are clued into, but certainly a huge part of delivery of some of the really most essential services across our state. So thanks for, thanks for being here. This has been another edition of Stokes and Folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Remember to like us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll speak to you again next week.